what I want to talk about, as, as Wayne said, is I'm not, a, I'm not a youth leader. I'm a pastor and I'm a father. My girls are 24, uh, 22 and 19. And, um, and I, I, I engage probably, I'm, I'm probably a very intentional, engaged father with my girls. And that has really impacted how I view young people, how I view youth. And uh, growing up, I used to go to the Downs Bible Week. I've, I met Jesus there. And because of those experiences, it has motivated and affected me in what I now do. So I'm talking to you from that kind of perspective. So I'm not talking as an expert. I'm just talking as, as a pastor and things that I've learned. But one of the things that we have, um, I suppose, begun to think about as a New Day management team, exec team, is is recognize that New Day has a part to play in uh, not just reaching young people, but maybe even more than that, in redeeming youth culture, in, in, in really making a difference to the way young people function in the world today. You will know, because you work with young people, that at one level, youth and youth culture is, is the most connected than it's ever been around the world. That because of social media, uh, youth culture is very connected. So whether or not you live here or you live in other parts of the world, because of social media and because sometimes even of things like hip-hop, youth culture is very connected. But you will also know that youth culture is very disconnected to mainstream culture. That actually there is a very different way that young people speak act, they have different values, they have a different way of approaching things, and I, I don't dip into it, but I see it even from the way my girls talk. I didn't bring them up to talk the way that they do, they talk the way they do because it's part of the culture. And the other thing that you'll know is youth culture doesn't stop at 18, yeah? That some of the most influential people in youth culture are not 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds, but they are Jay-Z, they are Beyonce. They are people who are a lot older, but they ha actually have a real influence on youth culture. And youth culture is, is, is very different to what we have in the church. And it's those things that we need to kind of, how do we redeem? How do we help youth culture? Because if we can redeem a culture, we get many, many more wins than if we just save individuals. We get many wins if you can redeem a culture than if you just save individuals and just thinking about youth culture and there are things that make it flourish and there are things that that react to it and so I'm just going to throw some things out as I say I'm not an expert these are just things that I have observed things that make youth culture flourish are these relationships yeah it's the number one thing that they like to relate that they are friends that when they're together we've got about 25 youth on site almost almost our youth walk around as one body yeah, they're always together. They almost seem to sit together. They stand together. They eat together. You could get it in amongst them can be difficult. They love to be in relationship. That would be my experience. Secondly, they love things that are authentic. They will talk to you if they think you are real. Yeah, and they won't talk to you if they don't think you are real. This is just my observation of it. And they love to belong and so again in my church most of the youth that come to my church and it's not it's not because of me that they come their parents don't come 
So most of the youth that are in the church, their parents aren't there. But one of the things that I think they have found is church is a place where they can belong. And it's part of, it's of high value in youth culture. It's why you get groups. It's why you get gangs. People wanting to belong to one another. This is just my observation of it. Things, though, that they react to. What does youth culture react to? First of all, youth culture is sensitive to things that are unknown. Yeah, if they don't know something, uh, then there's a, very, there's a real sensitivity to that. They, they're sensitive to a lack of authenticity, and they are sensitive and can react to authority. So we have to think of different ways of responding to them. So that's just really just some observations that, that I wanted to make about youth culture. But what can we do? Because we have to have that in mind when we think about how do we lead young people into freedom? We must understand what we're leading them from and out of in order that we can lead them into freedom, into something else. So how do we lead young people into freedom? Because when I first saw that title, I thought to myself, okay, um, I wonder whether people are, are coming and they're thinking that I'm going to talk about a meeting. How do you run a meeting that helps young people become free? How do you minister to them and all those things? Because that is not what I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about what you do in a meeting to lead young people to freedom. I am going to talk about three things that I think will help you lead young people into freedom. And some of those will relate to things that we've done here at New Day. And some of those will just be uh, more personal. So three things that you can do to lead young people to freedom. The first is this, and it might seem an odd thing, but, but my, my experience says, do you know what, there is something in this. Build your youth group as if it were a family. Build your youth group as if it were a family. There's a wonderful passage um, that I imagine many of us will know. I thought I'd turn to it. I hadn't. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's just the first couple of verses, and it says this. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your brother, as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. And so the, the Bible talks to us a lot about God being Father. And you'll know if you're a father, uh, what, you know, a little bit of what that means to, to be responsible to have children, or you're a mother, you understand what that means. The Bible tells us about fatherhood. It tells us about family relationships. In fact, it's built on family relationships. God is all about family and people belonging and being part of family. And I think the thing that about family, uh, and, and, and the Bible talks about God putting the lonely in families and all things like that. Why do I say build your youth group as if it were a family? Families show us the most appropriate way of relationship. And relationship is the key thing. So, so if you decide that you're going to build your youth group around a vision or around a purpose and you're all going to go for this and we're going for Jesus and all of those things and, and you don't necessarily think about it in terms of a family, you will still have to deal with relationships. And how do you help young people to find appropriate relationships? How do you help young people, how do you help young guys, a 15-year-old guy, have an appropriate relationship 
with a girl or an older person? How do you do that, particularly when some of them will not have seen that as a model? It wouldn't have been their model. How do you do that? Yeah? So you build your group around this idea of family. And, and some of you are you're already fathers and mothers. Yeah? You're already that. And I don't necessarily mean that you have children, but you kind of already play that role among young people. And I'm saying, actually, that is a brilliant role to play when you're, when you're trying to build a youth group. It might seem an odd role to play, but I think if you're going to redeem youth culture from whatever it is now to be in something that God can bless, building a family is not a bad way of doing it. Yeah? Helping, helping young people to relate. So one of the things that we do in our church, where we have a numbers of young people, numbers, numbers of young lads, um, is we're very intentional in involving them and really wanting them to observe how people relate to one another. That they would learn how to relate to people with respect, with honour. Yeah? I don't stand and tell them that. I don't go, like, this is what I need you to do. But what I hopefully do, what we hopefully do as a church, is we model that to them. Yeah? So you build family, and if you're in a family, then modeling family isn't, the mo- isn't necessarily difficult to do. Yeah? You can model family relationships to young people. That you're a father first, you're a mother first, you're a living example. Yeah? I have three girls, as I say, 24, 22, and 19, and often we hear about you know, a fatherless generation. We, we hear about guys that are disconnected and they're, they're without fathers. But do you know what? Girls need fathers too. Girls need fathers too. Because if a girl doesn't have a father or a father figure, an appropriate father figure in her life, how does she learn how to relate to men appropriately? Yeah? I found that with my girls, that, that actually one of the ways that they've learned how to be appropriate in their relationship is because they've had a father who's been very intentional relationally with them. Yeah. Now, that is not an excuse for you to go, oh, my, I'll start going out. It's not an excuse for anything. It is about how do we make appropriate relationships with young people in order that they can then make appropriate relationships with one another. Yeah? It has to be one of the main things we do because for many of them, they haven't seen that model. They haven't seen relationships. Yeah? And it's in relationships that, as this passage says, we learn to respect older men, older women. We learn to treat younger women as sisters with absolute purity. I remember when I first read that, that passage, I think I must have been 16, and my, my mouth dropped open. I couldn't believe the Bible said that. As a young man, I'm to treat women. How do you do that? Well, I'm not going to do that just by trying to be strong, but I might be able to do that by observing how other people do that. Yeah? So if you are that kind of person, if you're that kind of, yeah, we're fathering and mothering, and by that I don't mean, I, I mean it's a much more intentional action than just what, you, you, what we can sometimes think about fathering and mothering, but there is an intentional action towards creating family and a family way, because actually that is God's way. God's way is a family way. So we want to create that as well. And, even, and when you create a culture of family, see, the reason I wa- I'm, I'm talking about redeeming youth culture is, is, is when you redeem, if we, can, if we are able to help redeem culture, 
the winds are not just with the individuals that come like into the church. The winds are much broader than that. Yeah? If we were to be able to redeem a culture that respected and understood authority, that would have much bigger winds than just the one or two kids that we might relate to. It might have winds on, on youth out there in terms, just terms of how they relate to people who are in authority. But the culture has lost that. And so when culture loses something, what you'll find is that, that young people, even, even if they're not intentionally not doing the right thing, the culture pushes them that way. So redeeming culture helps is a win for us on so many different levels. And I'm not saying we can redeem culture completely, but I'm saying in a place like New Day, in a place like our churches, we can begin to build a slightly different way. That would be what I would be advocating. And then in creating a culture, I know that's what I did with my family. Um, I, I think the girls might disagree with this, but I think what I was trying to do was not give them rules. I was trying to create a culture. And one of the things in our culture at home was we went to church. So we never had a rule about church, yeah? And it was difficult for them because originally when, when I had my girls and they were a bit younger, we were in a church where there was a youth group of 100 children, yeah? So they came to church because they saw their friends. We went and took on a church where there was a youth group where they were the children, yeah? The three girls, they were the kids. And so getting them to church was a little bit more tricky. But we didn't get them to church through rules. Oh, well, you must come to church until you're 16 or you're 18. And then, and we didn't get to church, them to church by bribing them. Well, if you come to church, we'll take you to McDonald's. We, we didn't do those things. What we did is we just created a culture where the Hiltons on Sunday go to church. That's what we do. And I remember my youngest daughter saying, I, I felt like I got caught up with something. At times I didn't even want to do it, but I was caught up in this thing that we went to church. And so you can create cultures, because if you create a culture, it, it removes that thing that comes when you create a rule, i.e. rebellion. Yeah? It removes that kind of, right, it's now me and you, and we're going to try to battle it out. You create a culture rather than rules. The second thing I think, just bearing in mind what I said about youth culture, where young people are, it might not be every young person, but, but broadly speaking, where young people are, the second thing that I have realized to help leading young people into freedom is my own personal life integrity and walk with God. It's become, it's become critical. Yeah? I, can't, I can't help them. I can't take them where I have not been. I can't show them something that I haven't seen. I can't do it. Yeah? It's not enough to tell them, well, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. Okay, uh, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that. I know I did those things, but you mustn't do those things. That's a really difficult argument, isn't it, with a young person when they say, well, why can't I, why can't I sleep until midday? You did. Yeah? Yeah, at that point, you kind of lot, you know, oh, well, you know, things have changed. Yeah? So your personal integrity and life is critical. Yeah, this would be my take on it, that you as a person and how you live. And I don't say that to put you feel, make you feel pressure. Oh, my goodness, well, I, how do I do that? What, my personal life, I'm a mess. Yeah? Well, in many ways, we're all a mess. And the way we become less of a mess is we find hope in God. Yeah? That's how I become less of a mess. That's how I move things on. I end up putting myself in a situation where I rely on God. And, and this is going to sound, oh yeah, we know that. But I have found for me personally, that time of personal devotion to God 
has changed me. Yeah, I, I don't just say that. That is my real experience. I am different because of the time I spend with him. He has given me more wisdom because of the time I've spent with him. And actually, I have less... I don't, I don't carry things, burdens, in the way that I might have done because of him. Yeah? You can carry burdens of young people. Yeah? You can want them to change. You can desire that they change and stuff, and you can carry it, and there's something where you go, do you know what, I, I can't carry it. And, and being honest, with my girls, I didn't carry the burden of raising them. Yeah? I didn't always know what they were doing. I didn't know, always know where they were. I always stayed up to try and pick them up or find out or whatever. But I didn't always know. But what I did do in my prayer life, I'd say, God, I'm, I'm trusting. I am trusting them to you. I'm not trusting them to me. I'm trusting them to you. And that became a constant prayer for me, for my girls. It's a regular prayer for me now, still with them, but also with our church. God, I'm trusting them to you. I'm trusting that you will lead, that you will guide, that you will provide. And that helped me when dealing with issues where I thought, okay, I don't know which way she's going to go here. I don't know, I don't know whether she's going to do the right thing here. Yeah? It's not enough for me to go, no, you mustn't do that. Because they don't respond to that kind of instruction very well. So I might try and lead and guide, but do you know what I do? I pray. Yeah, and I pray not because, oh, yeah, it's an easy answer prayer. You pray when you really believe that God answers prayer and God hears prayer. Yeah, when you start praying for your young people, not just that they might be saved, but that God might guide and direct them. So I found that my own personal life became important. Yeah, how I lived. If I was, if I was battling secret stuff, do you know what? That wasn't going to help me lead them. Yeah, so my own life became really important in terms of pastoring both in my own family and in my church and among the young people that that I lead. And part of that is the need for them to encounter God. You want your young people and I know you want your young people to encounter God. And the way you do that is you you create an environment where where encounter is possible. Yeah. You just create environments where kids can respond to God. Yeah? Whether that's a worship thing, whether that's just doing a Bible study. Our youth group, and I, I don't go to it, but the, what they do is we had to change what we were doing in order to accommodate the youth. Now you might go, oh yeah, that's normal. But, but what we did was we ended up having a youth group that met every, every other Sunday at the same time as the meeting in a different place. But they weren't like 12 and 14-year-olds. They were like 16, 17 and 18-year-olds. And we found that we got more youth when, we, when they met together than when they came into the church. And that most of the time what they did was they just used to do Bible studies. In fact, they still do. They just do Bible studies. Because although there are other things you can do with youth and you must do with youth, you do want them to have the Bible. Yeah? You do want them to know the truth. You do want them to have a reference point for how life works. Yeah? You do want them to know not what you think is important about sex, for example, but you do want them to know what the Bible says about it. You do want them to know those things. So for me, personal uh, devotion, um, again, I suppose, I became or, or I was very deliberate in my personal devotion to walk with God 
publicly before my family. It wasn't in secret. Yeah? So my girls would often uh, come in. Yeah, I'm in there praying, I've got the Bible open or whatever, and th- often they would just come in. I wanted them to see something. Yeah? And what I discovered when they saw something, and I've heard different ones of them say, um, that, that was inspiring. Yeah? What we knew was dad prayed. We knew that. Dad always prayed. We saw it. Yeah, he was always there. He was always in a room with his coffee and with his Bible. Yeah? And it inspired something in them. They desired it. They wanted it. Yeah? The youth that you lead can be inspired by your example. Yeah? You inspire them. And not just, not just through words, but just by they'll watch you. You'll know they watch you. And so the, the Bible becomes important. And then finally, just, just, I just want to say a little bit about um, New Day as an event and what we have tried to do to assist you guys in, in wanting to lead young people into freedom and wanting to bring them through, wanting to help them avoid pitfalls where you can, wanting to direct them, uh, but also recognizing where they are broken and where they are damaged, you're providing space for them. And so when I first came to New Day a number of years ago, um, uh, I was involved in different roles, but I saw a number of things. I saw a number of things. I saw, I saw that the event was changing in that the, the types of kids that were coming were different, that they weren't simply church kids, um, that they weren't simply kids, f- uh, that they were kids from all over the place. They were kids from inner city areas all over the place. They were kids from, uh, I suppose, the country. There was all different types of kids that were coming. I also recognized, and maybe this was through social media, a little bit of pastoral care at the beginning, that many were coming more broken than we thought they were coming. Many were coming with more stuff going on than we realized. Yeah? Many were coming and they weren't, they weren't ready to go church planting because you know, they, were, they were just struggling. They were, cap- they were sort of captured. And so what we began to do very early on is myself and a, a, many of you may know Steve Horn. He actually leads the, the, the pastoral work at New Day now. Um, we just began to talk about, okay, how do we create an environment where young people can come to New Day and it, and it can assist them in, in setting them free from some stuff yeah, that they've carried all year long. But a week at New Day could really help them. It's not just a holiday, but actually it can be almost like surgery, that stuff can go on here that puts them in a different place when they go home. And so we began to talk about that. And many of you might know, we used to have a referral team, uh, which is kind of our specialist ministry team, the people that will come out onto site, they'll meet with young people, they'll talk with you. We used to have a referral team of about 15 people. Uh, We now have a referral team of 45 to 60 people uh, because we realized that we needed to provide more support we used to have a child protection kind of conversation at the end of the week, and now we have a safeguarding team of a number of child protection social workers and other people in order that we can provide specialist support, so Christian specialist support with young people. And, and, and our philosophy has been this. Young, and, and the other thing that we challenged or began to change and affect and talk into was what was being spoken in seminars, what was being spoken on the main stage. Were we covering the things that young people were dealing with? Yeah, because it, it wasn't enough just to go church planting. You needed to do something. 
Some young people needed to be healed. They needed to be uh, brokenness, needed to be mended. And so we began to affect the kind of conversations, the, the, the talks that were being happening, the responses that were being made in order that we could provide that. And we have seen through that process, I don't know how many, uh, hundreds of young people who have come to New Day, and maybe they're in your churches, who through being here, hearing things here, spending time with people who are a bit more specialists, who have a bit more time because you don't always have that kind of time with them and seeing them just set free, stuff coming out. They're, 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 things are just being broken in them. And we've seen it time and time again. And, and one of the reasons I think it happens is because we work really hard at making New Day a safe environment as best we can. We want New Day to be a safe, peaceful environment because young people don't really respond to God in chaos. I mean, life, their life might be chaos, so we need to provide something that's a lot safer, a lot more secure in order to help them respond to him. And so New Day has become a part of that. And I know for me personally and my church, bringing young people to New Day has been one of the things that has really seen them move forward. I mean, some of these kids that we've brought and uh, we had a brilliant youth leader who's not with us now who, who did that. Some of the guys that you had talked to, they would say, I came to New Day and I thought I was a Christian. And I wandered around the site and I realized, do you know what? I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus. And so they've come into this relationship with Jesus. And the model I think that they observe is devotion to Jesus takes precedent over everything. Yeah, You want your young people not to think about the, the things that are going to distract them. Get them thinking about the things that are going to help them. Yeah, So it's not, it's not changing the law. So oh, we need to change and don't do this, don't do that. It's focusing them on the very things that they can become devoted to. Because this week, most of your young people will be devoted. Yeah, So you want to help them. How do I help them stay devoted? Well, I need to be devoted. And I need to create environments where that devotion gets lifted. Okay, so those are just some of my thoughts. I think I'm going to hand over to one of the team. Thank you so much, Owen. Wasn't that so helpful? Should show our appreciation to Owen. Owen, you need to stay because you might have some questions to answer. Okay, so I don't know if you've heard, but I, I really feel like God is speaking to us this week about creating a culture of family. Um, so that is one of the things that he's saying and he's also one of the themes that's coming up is about us being fathers and mothers and maybe we should not be so concerned about the title of youth leader maybe we should be more concerned about the title of father or mother and also about teaching our young people about the truth and that is the way that sets them free I think there's a, probably a verse in the bible isn't there about that they shall know the truth and it shall set them free. So actually, are we teaching the young people truth about the things that they are going through and about their situations? So we're just going to give you a minute um, with the people around you. In light of what Owen said, have you guys got any questions? What are the things that is being thrown up to you? If you are um, texting Wayne, we've got um, some questions that we're going to write and um, ask Owen. But we just thought it'd be really helpful just to give you a couple of seconds with the people around you. Um, are there any more questions that have come up? in light of what Owen said and um, what are you going to take away. So I'm going to give you a real minute, not a teacher minute, which is fake. Um, so go ahead, chat to people around you. You've got about a minute. Okay. Hopefully you're not all starting to talk about maybe lunch or about, um, you know, times of the day this afternoon. Are you guys talking about lunch? <laughs> um, I found that so, so helpful. I think my favourite, my take-home point is don't create rules, create a culture 
in your youth work because it removes rebellion. And I'm thinking, like, we need to do that on our site, right, as we go back. How do we create a culture rather than just a set of rules? And I was just like, that is so good. So that's so helpful. Thank you, Owen. Okay, um, Owen is going to answer some of the questions that have been texted in, and then Wayne and I might, um, like help with um to kind of ground that with youth work so the first question is how do you build a culture when you're limited on time with young people or if you're young and single or not in a family okay so so this first question i I think i think culture is not simply built with time it's built with perspective yeah so you want to create a picture in your mind of what you're trying to do which might be different to the picture you have at the moment. You might be thinking now, I'm a youth leader, I've got to be like this, I've got to be like that, I've got to be like the other. Actually, no, I'm going to father them. I'm going to mother them. And what does that mean I do? Yeah? So you just, you just think differently. So then once you start thinking differently, you engage every interaction in that different way. Yeah? So every interaction becomes like, like that of a father or that of a mother, or that of an older brother, or that of an older sister. So just one example of that in our, in our family, so as parents, and this might be wrong, I don't know, you might, you might go, that's terrible, Owen. What we used to do was we used to use sometimes our, our older daughters to keep our younger daughter. Do you know what I mean? So we would, they would end up keeping her in line sometimes, not that she was never rebellious, never, but they would end up speaking into her in ways that we couldn't, yeah? And actually, once we realized that, we thought, oh, that's, that works really well, yeah? I just tell her stuff, and she does it, yeah? So th- that's one of the ways that you can do it, through perspective. If you're young and single and not in a family, so how do you do that? Well, first of all, hopefully, you're not young, single, not in a family, on your own, leading the youth work. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah? You do need to have other people around you and you do need in your church context to find a f- family. Now, when I say family, I don't mean a family, like, oh, we're going to go to the Joneses and we're going to be with them. What I mean is you want the church to be the family and you're building off the back of what the church is already doing. So the church, you want the church to be a, a family place whereby you can encourage young people through the relationships that you have and that you see. And you want to be able to say to them, look at so-and-so, or why don't you do this, or why don't you follow? You want to be able to say that, because that happens to them all the time. They're looking at people, they're looking for role models, they're looking for examples, and they can look for them in those ways. Do you want me just to go down? I was just thinking there was a couple of questions on the back as well that just said, how do you do that in a large youth group? And um, one other that I thought fitted with it as well. Um, how do we get our youth not to just be family to each other, but across the generations in church? So then when they leave youth, they still belong. I'm just thinking in our setting, we just look at uh, being flexible with the season that we're in. So at the moment, we just thought, actually, we do want to get some time um, where they're doing more family stuff together. So we've just changed our youth program. So we've gone from Tuesday nights being very teaching, worship-based, to um, saying, right, once a month, we're just going to eat together. 
And um, I mean, we have 100 young people and stuff, so it's not straightforward to say we're just going to have a, a, a meal together. But we've got a family that have said they'll commit once a month to coming in and just catering so the team can literally just be there just to sit and have a meal um, with the youth. And the first Tuesday every month, we'll just sit around tables. Obviously, it's not in people's homes, but just sit around tables and just have food with no real agenda, but just to be and just to kind of sit and just to... To, to, to have a meal and for some of our young people that would be really alien because they just don't sit around a table and have a have food together but but actually we want them to get into that moment of of actually let's just sit and let's be and let's talk and let's do some icebreakery stuff around the table and just have have food and stuff we're also um uh, me and myself and my wife we, we just said right um uh, once a, a month on a Thursday, we'll just invite all the old youth around for, for a meal to our house and, and we'll just kind of hang out and have that. So we've looked at our program and said, OK, how can we be intentional in creating some family moments and some culture moments where, where actually we can build that in that come away from some of the program that we've done for years where it's just been kind of done in, in this way or, or, or in that way. And with the different generations stuff as well, um, just looking to be intentional in the moments where you are together. So on a Sunday morning, um, it's easy for our youth leaders to just be off doing their own thing if they're not serving um, in youth or if they are serving in youth or if they're engaged with the young people just to go and talk to the young people whereas we're, we've, I've spoken to a few of our youth leaders saying why don't on a Sunday morning you grab a couple of young people and go and introduce them to some of the older guys that they'd never meet and they'd never come across that you know and you could link them in and, and, and actually maybe out of that some of those older people will then invite you and those those couple of young people around to their house for lunch and stuff and and um, and just trying to get them to see of on a Sunday morning I can go get my kind of coffee off the service and just have a conversation with my friends or actually I can be intentional not just in the youth moments where I'm on program but actually I, I can grab a young person I can go and we can go and sit and talk to to the the 90 year old that's in the church that that just isn't going to come and kind of naturally connect with a young person but we'll connect with you through them so so i think look for where you can link up people we've got a great family in the church as well that just they do family really well they've got a brilliant culture and um, they're just really quite open so we talk to them about they're never going to be on the youth team but we're saying well could could we get a couple of the young people that we mentor in schools that actually have just come from really broken families can we just connect them with you sometimes well, if you're going to go hang out down the beach which we've got that near us so um uh, that the, they can come and hang out with you and and we'll just have the day together and they're really open to that and involving so i think looking at how you can get families that that you think yeah they've got a good thing and actually i'd love my young people to be exposed to it how you can kind of make those links and involve them and i think that helps with the generational stuff as well Okay, so the next question, if you involve young people in your family home, how do you hold safeguarding? So in some ways, safeguarding as a, as a, as a, as a kind of as a legislative rule uh, it doesn't apply in your own home if you invite people into your own home. You, you can apply those guidelines, but it, it doesn't apply uh, specifically. Um, to be honest, what we've done, because we've had... I mean, man, when we first moved to our house, our, the youth group met in our home. And so, there, so Pauline and I would go out on a Friday night and 30 young people would descend, descend is the right word, uh, onto the house. And there were moments when we were sitting in McDonald's in Norbury thinking, what are we doing? And um, the way the youth worked at that time was um, 
uh, the instruments we had, we, the church, you know, was just kind of starting, were in our bedroom. And so we'd come home, there'd be young people on instruments in our bedroom, yeah? So for us, there was like nothing sacred here, was there? Yeah? So, so we, we just invite in. So I, I, I would say that we're mindful of stuff, but we would invite in, and all I'm doing in my mind, so it's, this is not about even my engaging, this is about my creating an environment in which young people come who they, maybe they don't normally come into that environment. So I'm not in there always trying to engage with them, but they are just seeing, they are just observing, they are just part of something. And I think that people pick up a lot from that. Young people pick up a lot simply from being there. And, uh, you, you know, uh, but there's also, there might be in, in you a faith thing for that. You know, if you've got young kids and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure. So sometimes it's a faith thing for you to be, actually, I think God's calling me to do this and I'm going to trust that God's going to be in this. Uh, but I do think that it's not so much about what you tell them or speak to them, but I think people pick up a lot from environment. They pick up a lot from just being around and watching you and watching how your children relate. I mean, we had my nephew live with us for a while. He was, he was a bit older than my girls. Um, and he could see that the relationships were different to what he was used to with his mum. He could see, oh, yeah, okay, you don't do that. That doesn't happen here. And, and when it came, then we had another guy living with us. And at one point I thought, man, is he taking drugs in the bedroom? He was in a room. Um, I didn't go in there and go, you know, but I said, uh, when I did speak to him, I said, we don't do that here. Yeah? So that's my thing. We don't do that here. So it's not to say, I'm not telling him this is a naughty thing. You shouldn't be doing I'm saying in this house, it doesn't happen. Yeah? So that's what I mean by culture. I'm creating something. If you have a young person that is switched off and not engaged, how would you engage them, especially if they think it's all fake? Yeah? So this is one of those areas where I think, <coughs> I suppose I'm going to take an approach that you might not th- think to take. I, I, I'm taking the approach where I am not trying to engage someone who's not trying to engage. Yeah? I'm not trying to engage them. I'm going, okay, they're on a journey. Yeah, there was a period of time where one of our girls, so I told you about the culture we created at home where we're a going to church family, that's what we do. We're an eating around the table family, that's what we do. Yeah, there came a point where one of my girls decided, she realized, uh, she, she stopped going to church. She missed, she missed one Sunday because she was, had an exam or something the next day. And um, uh, I remember my, one of my other daughters thought, Dad, what have you done? So and so is not a church. And I thought, no, it's fine. And I remember my wife saying to me, I think you might have opened something there. Because once she realized that she missed church one Sunday and mum and dad didn't have a go at her, she was like, oh, this is quite good. And so for a while, she did not come to church. Yeah. So there was a long period, maybe a year, when my daughter didn't come to church. And I was at, when, I th- when I had the thought about her doing that, it was a horrible thought. It was a fearful thought. What would people think? But actually, when it happened, I didn't think like that. What I did was I prayed. Yeah? Because I remember, and my prayer was this. God, two out of three is not good enough. That was my prayer. God, two out of three is not good enough. Yeah, not once did we say you must come. I mean, my wife sometimes would say, "Here, where have you been?" and blah blah blah. But not once did I say to her, "Where are you? What are you doing?" So, if someone is switched off, they're switched off. 
yeah? Focus on the ones that are switched on and create an environment where the ones that are switched off end up switching on again. And she did. She switched, she switched on again. And even when she switched on, she didn't come and say, Mom and Dad, I'm back. Yeah, we kind of observed and said, oh, okay. Because yeah? they have to live their own life. Yeah, they have to find Jesus for themselves. So that's how I would deal with that one. Final question on here. What advice would you give to a youth leader who's struggling themselves with sin and leading young people? Um, uh, now, I don't know to the, the extent of that because we all struggle with sin. Yeah, and I don't say that glibly. Yeah, we all struggle with sin. And hopefully, um, when I talk about that whole personal thing, you know, one of your personal prayers might be, God, I need you to protect me here. I need you to keep me. Uh, I, I need you to protect them. I need you to protect her in that conversation. I need your help here, God. I pray that regularly. As a pastor, that's one of my most regular prayers. God, would you protect me? Would you keep me? Yeah? I can't live in a world where I don't talk to anyone, but my goodness, am I asking God to help me every time I do? Yeah, and I'm thinking about it. So if you're talking about general sin, then I'm like, well, that's where we all are and we all go to God. Uh, but if you're talking about something that's very specific, yeah, my encouragement is you need, you need to get help. You need to get help because if you are struggling with something, with some secret sin, don't think that that will not affect what you're doing. Yeah, if I'm struggling over here, with pornography and I think nobody knows and I'm struggling with it all the time, that will affect, yeah? There are spiritual forces, there are things that go on when you're doing things that are not right and you're still trying to lead, yeah? It's going to have an effect. So I, I would just say that. So you, if you need to get, it, get that sorted, you need to get that sorted. But the best way I have found to avoid sin is, is daily praying so that so in the daily praying i'm recognizing the daily weakness yeah i don't get to a point where i ever think to myself oh do you know i think i've conquered this sin yeah i think i'm okay i don't think i have any no i know ne you never get to that point there's a daily prayer for daily weakness um but there's also a focus on and a devotion to yeah so I'm focusing on Jesus, I'm devoted to him, and one of the reasons I'm focused and I'm devoted, because I recognize, do you know what, if I fall, it affects all of this, yeah? Sometimes I have to think like that, yeah? If I fall, it affects, it affects not just me, yeah? Other people are affected, and you might just be a youth leader in your mind, I'm just a youth leader, but if you fall, all those young people who, who mock you and everything, and they're, they're taking the mick out of you, but they're still watching you, yeah, you're still their example. They're still looking to you. They might never say, do you know what? We think you're great. They'll never say that because, well, they never say that to me anyway. They never say that to you, but you know they're watching you because when you fall, when you hear about leaders fall, how many other people do you realize give up on God because of it? Now, I'm not trying to put leaders up on that kind of pedestal. You've got to be perfect. Of course, you're not perfect, but recognize daily weakness. Recognize the need for you to, to, to live right. And if you are struggling with stuff and you're leading youth, you need to find someone and go, do you know what? I need some help here. Yeah, I need some help. So those are all the questions that are here. Thank you so much. It's, it's quality, isn't it? It's rich, that we're, what we're getting here and stuff. So there is a number of questions. We are aware of time, though. So I think I'll just whiz through a couple of them and, um, and then we will text them out. So...
if this is going to work. How would you manage an existing youth group in terms of building new culture? Do you announce to them or simply implement and have them catch on? I think I do both. I think the best best way is for them to catch it, to see it, so to to see how the um, how it's being lived out amongst your team and amounts what you're putting in. But I think also speaking it out and saying this is what we're going for, this is what we're prioritising, this is what we want to see established and and teaching into it. So we we've just slightly adjusted our um, our, our vision, I suppose, um, which comes out of the culture that we want to see established. And there's some key things, and we're just saying right, where are we already seeing that, and how can we celebrate it? How can we give profile to it how can we teach into it and then saying okay this is what we're putting kind of up because this is what we want to see then implemented in so i think i'd go for for doing a bit of both but definitely you there's no point teaching something and speaking about something if it's not being lived out and being worked out so i think it's got it's definitely got to be caught um i think you covered that one okay how do you work alongside their real parents this is very important. So I've always said as a youth worker, the parents is as much part of the youth work as the young people. They are part of your team. So you want to be having good com- communication with them. You want to be talking to them. You want them on board with what you're doing and what you're building and, and where you're going. Obviously, like young people spend most of their time with their real parents and the culture that they're setting. So I've been saying to our elders in the church, like... Like there's stuff that we're wanting to see established with our young people, but they're going home and their parents are giving them a completely different message. This is parents in the church. So I'm banging on the door of our elders saying, what are you doing to teach into um, uh, to parenting and to the culture that parents are kind of setting? And where can we be kind of having these discussions and addressing some of the issues that, that, that if we're saying one thing? And uh, I, I notice all my kind of... Um, under 12s were like they were all playing games and and watching films and stuff that were like 15 and and above and these some to my kid who's like um 10 were saying dad i don't get it all my friends at school are playing Fortnite and watching this and watching that and all my friends at church are and you're telling me that that like we're talking about not doing those kind of things he said i get it if it was just my school friends but my church friends are and stuff and I was like yeah that's hard and we've got to navigate that and we've got to kind of work that all through so I've been saying to the elders like where are we kind of investing in this and talking about it uh, and stuff so so one I would be talking to your elders about how are we doing parenting and how are we building culture wider than just just the youth having good relationship with your parents so keeping them involved in the loop being talking to them like telling them about what your what your kind of culture and what the values and vision is um, of the youth work and how they can play a part in it and and just maintaining that be praying for your parents obviously they've got a huge job um, uh, in bringing seeing their kind of kids coming up in in all things of God and stuff so being praying for those so I don't know if uh, I think that's where I would go with it we'll do two more and then I'll jump off Okay, most of my youth leaders at my church are the parents of some of the youth. How would you suggest to be able to give the youth space with their parents as leaders, as well as including making it like a family? I think if you take this principle of of, of us being spiritual parents or parents, then the fact that your team is parents of the young people, I think, puts them in a great position. And in the same way as with my own kind of kids, it's important for me to have time with them and and them to be involved in um, in family life with us I also want them to be having time 
where they're just with their friends and all of that. So I would be looking at my youth group, if I was a bunch of parents kind of leading it, saying, where's the point where we all come together and we do family together and we, we, we kind of one another in that. And, and I don't always kind of work with, with my children, but you invest. So we've asked some um, key people in church, will you, will you spend time with, with, with my children? Because I don't want it to be always kind of coming from me and my, my wife. So putting some, some good people in place that they know you can go and talk to those. You can go and speak to those that are part of the, t- the team. Um, but also looking for times where the young people, you're coaching them to, to just spend time together separate to you. So if you were, I don't know, six parents of, the, of a bunch of young people, say, actually, well, let's just give them some, some space where they can do some Bible study just with them without us. And maybe they can then feed that back and come back to it. Or maybe they can come up with some social events where they do. And just empowering them to, to, to live, it, live it out and have time um, together. I'm living with at the moment this whole thing of I, I don't want to be a, kind of seen as, as, as a teacher I want to be a coach to my young people. So I'm constantly looking at how can I coach them and, and release them and enable them to do it. I'll finish with this. So, so um, yeah. okay, yeah, 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 brilliant. Um, felt like God just spoke to me and said, do you feel more like a, a kind of core subject teacher or do you feel more like a, um, a sports coach with your young people? And I thought, actually, at the moment, I feel like us as a team, we feel like kind of we're, we're more like maths teachers where we're like, this is a really good subject. And some of you love maths and you want to do maths and stuff. Most of you hate it, but, but actually, you know it's good for you. So you'll, you'll kind of turn up and you'll go and you'll kind of try and kind of get your head around it and stuff. It feels like that with, with faith for a lot of our young people. It's like they know it's a good thing. They know they've got to do it. It's a bit of a chore. It's a bit of an effort. And they're kind of persevering. But it's, it's kind of the youth leaders are like they're going, do this, do this, do this. And I thought, actually, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be kind of that kind of role to them. I want our youth team to be like coaches where we're like, it's like a basketball team that they're like, I love basketball and I'm invested in it. Or I love football and I'm, I kind of, I'm passionate about it. And I, I need coaches to kind of help me and shape me and kind of develop me in that. So we've been looking and say, how do we change the culture from a bunch of core subject teachers to a con- kind of a bunch of, of sports coaches that are kind of cheering them on and supporting them uh, and stuff. So I don't quite know how that fitted with the, the question, but, but I think oh, that's it with the parents. If you're a parent of a group of your youth, then look and say, okay, how can we coach them? How can we release them? How can we empower them to be doing kind of the church stuff and um, putting that in place? So then it's not all coming from you, um, if that makes sense. So, Owen. Okay, so just just the one thing I I, I want to emphasise, because when we talk about family, we kind of have an image in, in our minds. Um, the win for us when we do family is, uh, as, I, as I said earlier, but I want to emphasise it, um, it's the nature of the relationships. So the win for you is not just that you become father and mother, but that they become brother and sister. Yeah? That's the win. Because if you can get that in the DNA of culture, then, then you'll, have, you'll have less harassment, you'll have less issues, you'll have appropriate relationships between young boys and young girls. And that is part of us redeeming culture. Yeah? In order to redeem culture, we have to move away from just the sexualization and the ob- objectification of young people. We have to move away from that so that they see one another as brothers and sisters and older brothers and older sisters and they don't see themselves in other ways. So I think that's the big win, yeah? is that you, you, you change the nature of all the relationships. It's not just the nature of your relationship with them.
Thank you so much. Another great morning together. It's been great to see you all. Um, I'd just love to pray for us before we go back on um, onto, you know, back to our youth works. Um, God, we thank you so much for um, what Owen's brought this morning. We, we just pray that the things that you want to lay on our hearts, that they would just go deep. God, we, pr- we thank you that you are a God who speaks and a God who transforms. And Jesus, we just pray that as we go from this place, that we would be able to create family all around this site. Jesus, we pray that um, as mothers and fathers of these young people, we would be able to go out and do that really, really well today. God, I pray for supernatural energy um, for my brothers and sisters in this room right now, God, that you would, um, you would just do an amazing work this afternoon. And we pray for loads of fun and joy and coaching and encouraging to go on on this site. Jesus, we thank you for the work you've done. And would you see all the things that you want us to go away with in our hearts, we pray. Thank you, Father. You are so good all the time and you've got all we need. Amen.